You ready, baby? Is this thing on? It is. Well, then let's make it happen. We're locked and loaded. Jimmy, we sounding all right? Level's good? Is it funny how we always look that way? Yeah. That's, well, that's <laughs> where it goes. I know. Hello, once again, to everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to Counting Worms. This is the thing we do. It's not the movie. This is what the you podcast. Say, I'm pretty sure it's a movie. You think so? I'm in living color. We're getting a lot of demands for uh, putting cameras around here and recording this live, maybe live streaming. Yeah, yeah. A but, lot of uh, demand. A lot of demand. <laughs> but um, we're holding out for yeah. the right for the right deal. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Again, the numbers aren't quite working out yet. So, this is not a theme episode. It's not. It is a sewed sewed. Yes, and I'm Sarah. And I'm Scott. Yeah. Thanks, honey. <laughs> and so anyway, um, yeah, mine's going to be a little different today. Um, a little different? It is. You're, are you are you going off the ranch? A little bit. Well, that last episode we did on animals attacking, yes. it reminded me of a couple stories that I had started writing a while ago and then bowed out because they were just too bad. <laughs> They're just too <laughs> horrible. But now... The time has come. Now that we're more seasoned, I can I can handle the more uh, horrible stories. Oh, so this okay. is actually going to have be two stories oh. for me. Okay, um, I'm going to do my first story, then you'll do your story, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to do a short second story. Well, that's just, that's just not how we do it. Well, I know I'm breaking with tradition today. Like I said, wow. Yeah, I know it's crazy. So the apparently there's no more rules. There isn't. So the second story includes a four minute long recording oh no that doesn't work i know no we're not doing it we are we're gonna put listen to me listen we're gonna put it at the very end of the show we're gonna do our we're gonna do our sources we're gonna say our goodbyes and then i'm gonna play it and if people don't want to hear it they can bow out okay okay fair enough compromise okay now i will tell you it is horrific um it's a 911 call and it's it's the crazy, I mean, I just, ha- it's horrible, but I have to play it for you guys because I think you'll quote unquote enjoy it. I mean, it's horrible. Oh. It's horrible, but it's something you'd never thought you'd hear in your life. And, and many of you still won't. That's right. And, <laughs> and it, it highlights one of the craziest situations ever. And then it also highlights how one particular 911 operator is just the worst 911 operator ever. I oh, mean, good. most of them are very talented and skilled and good at what they do. But, you know, this guy's going to prove that there are some exceptions. Well, so, that's too bad. Uh, but anyway, I'll give you guys a fair warning before I hit play and uh, you guys can do what you want to do. So, well, there um, you go. yeah. So is there something else you so. want to talk so about? So let's start with something else. All right. Let's do it. One news, one news, one oh, okay. What the hell? Jimmy! God, that guy's terrible. You know what? We should fire him. Anyway, so we'll we'll go right into it anyway. How about this? You're out for the rest of this episode. That's it. You're done. Okay, I'll take over the boards. Here we Uh. go, baby. Too loud. Too loud. Still too loud. Oh, my ear comes out. Golly. Yeah. That blew my eardrums out. Did it? Sorry, Jess. Sorry, baby. (laughs) <laughs> that was terrible. Hey, Jimmy. Oh, I did that. Yeah, <laughs> I can't blame him. All right, All go right. for it. So anyway. Tell us about Worm News, baby. You know, I don't love my driver's license photo, and I think most people would agree that they don't love theirs either. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, like, what do they used to call that place? Glamour shots? Right. However, 
it usually does look like you. At least resembles you. Right. It just looks like you on your worst day ever, you know, after you spent all damn day at the DMV. Right. But in Centerville, Tennessee, when Jade Dodd renewed hers, it wasn't exactly what she expected. Jade Dodd? Is that her first name? Jade oh. Dodd. Oh, Jade Dodd. You're going to have to stay with me. I'm with Stop you. doing whatever you're doing. I'm not doing anything. Yes, you are. I heard you clicking on your mouse. Yeah, well, I'm getting... Go, baby. No, 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 you, I'm, I'm over here. I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> I'm up here. Yeah. So her new ID arrived in the mail and the picture on it was of an empty chair. Hmm. Just like an empty chair. So of course she called <laughs> them up to get it fixed. Right. But well, we've all tried to get assistance actually at the DMV. So you can imagine what it was like trying to call them right. to get help. Uh-huh. Not, not easy. Yeah, no. Now try to convince them, of course, by phone that your photo is of an empty chair. <laughs> Let's just say it took a little convincing. Mm-hmm. And that was just to get him to look it up. Jade said, quote, then she finally looked it up in the system and goes, oh, I need my manager for this. <laughs> According to the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security, Mm -hmm. the photo was taken accidentally. Duh. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, uh uh-huh. The chair ended up being the focal point of the license because it was the last photo taken and saved to Jade's file. Oops, our bad. Mm -hmm. So Jade had nothing but fun with it, though, and she said it was a good break from all the seriousness of the pandemic. She felt everyone kind of needed some comic relief anyway. Sure. She said, quote, my boss thinks it's funnier than anyone. I was at work Friday when he pointed to the chair outside of his office door and was like, I thought that was you. I waved <laughs> at it this morning. That's funny. <laughs> the guy's got a good sense yeah. of humor. Yeah. So she did get a new license, by the way, which I think I might have just kept the empty chair one. Yeah. You know. Frame it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I will, of course, post a picture of her <laughs> empty chair license. I was going to do it, but yeah. if you're going to do it, go ahead. Yeah, baby. well, you've done such a great job. I have. That was awesome. Thank you, yeah. baby. That's wormy. So that was it. All right. Um, all right, shall I press on with story number with one? With your horrible stories that were so bad you didn't do them the first time? And this one has a photo. I don't think I'm going to post it, though, this first one, because it's so horrible. Yeah. Okay. So, this is a story about a guy named Terry Thompson. Okay. T.T. T.T. He lives in the little working class town of Zanesville, Ohio. Mm. It's where Terry was born and raised. Oh, there Uh, you go. Terry's best friend, Gary Brock, said, Growing up, we did... Oh, that's not the right one. (laughs) Sounds like Ohio to me. (laughs) Growing up, we did a lot of stupid things. Terry was Terry. Oh, anytime they describe you like that. He was always doing something. Not breaking the law, but Mm. always on the line. Terry was kind of the leader. Oh, wait, that's the end of the quote. (laughs) Okay, strike that. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy? Oh, Oh, wait, shit, I fired him. (laughs) Okay, so Terry was kind of the leader of the group, and and Gary was the sidekick, so to speak. So uh, just to give you an example of their relationship, Terry once persuaded Gary to eat poison ivy. By telling him that if he oh. ate the toxic plant, he'd never get a rash from it again. Mm. And he did it. 
So this gives you an insight into both of these characters, okay? Yeah. Muskingum County Sheriff Matthew Lutz said... Good name. Yeah. Matthew it's Lutz. a great ca- no, county. Lutz, Muskingum. Muskingum. Wow. Uh, he said, I described him as a guy that liked to push the envelope. Uh, like to live on the edge type of person. There's a lot of stories out there about the wild things he did. I wouldn't say that he's a legend, but I would say that he's well known. And seen. The thing you miss when you're listening at home or in the car <laughs> is that Scott actually acts out these characters. How dare you? How Don't dare tell them you? my trade secrets. Don't let them look, see behind apparently, the curtain. Apparently, Lutz is a round man that <laughs> likes to <laughs> likes to work his elbows when he talks, as if he's walking, as as if he's mall walking. Jimmy, cut off her mic. Oh, <laughs> shit. He's, he's, he's not there. Oh, he left right. in a huff. All right. So, Terry Thompson was... A, he he's zipped, probably at the bar. He zipped through town. On, yeah, right. He's probably... He zips through his town on his motorcycles, boats, and planes. Through town on his boat? Well, I guess there's... Is it like There's Venice? a river or something. Or a lake. <laughs> I don't know. They did go into it. But he did his, do it on planes, okay? <laughs> he had his pilot's license before he got his driver's All license. All right. Okay, so he's... It's one of those guys. <laughs> whatever, whatever that means. Okay. Huh. Did he get his driver's license when he was 30? I don't know. They didn't mention it. Huh. He was an eagle. Oh, my God. Finley's farting. <laughs> oh. Glad she's on your side. All right. He was an eagle scout. Okay. A tailback on the football team, always surrounded by girls. Mm. Okay. You get in the picture? Eventually, he meets a gal by the name of Marion at a horse show where she stood out as one of the elite equestrians, okay? Oh. Gary Brock, his friend who ate the poison ivy, yeah. said, <laughs> she she was the, oh, forget it, she was the rich girl in town, and he was the average guy. By all accounts, they were an odd couple, but they were very much in love. He was the... He was the friend. Who he was the nine. average guy, but he had a boat and a plane. And he's the yeah, Eagle Scout and a tailback uh, and surrounded by girls. So I guess this huh. town's full of really, uh, you know. They must be pretty well to do if the average guy has a boat and a plane. and Planes, they said. Planes. Yeah. He's got multiple planes. Yeah, so Gary, I think. What's average? I think something this? happened to Gary when he ate the poison ivy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, right. however. This was a while ago. So, however, in 1967, uh, Terry was drafted into the Vietnam War. And when he returned, everyone agreed that he just won, won the he same. Won, Terry wasn't, wasn't Terry. The ter- well, uh, he, he did have a lot of bad experiences, as a lot of people do in war, people, his friends dying, etc. And, and Gary Brock said that everything Terry did after his return focused around speed. The drug or... No, about the velocity. actual velocity, right. Oh, okay. So he had to be right on the edge. And there were rumors of him flying a plane beneath a famous bridge in town. And some said he touched down his plane on golf courses and drove his motorcycles and boats so fast that the authorities couldn't catch him. So that's, that's hmm. Terry. Post-Vietnam in a nutshell. Okay, you, you with me? Yeah, everything had to be fast. In, now let's fast forward uh, it to 1977. He ended up marrying Marion, who oh. was by then a sixth grade teacher. Oh. And Terry went ahead and opened up a Harley Davidson motorcycle shop. And over time, according to their friends and acquaintances, the couple retained their kind demeanors, but they, quote, 
came became kind of unusual. <laughs> End quote. Okay. Kind of unusual. Kind I'm doing the air unusual. quotes. How come you didn't tell people I was doing the air quote thing? Oh. Wow. All right. 1997. Let's go forward wow. 20, 20 years. The couple attended a, an exotic animal auction where Terry bought an ailing lion cub for his wife as a birthday present. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So over the next several years, their collection of exotic animals, it continued to grow and the total extent of their menagerie remains kind of a, a mystery or remained a mystery to the residents of Zaneville. They knew that things were going on, but close neighbors uh, were rumored to sleep with their, with multiple guns by their bedside, just in case, you know, fearing the worst. Cause they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know there. what kind of animals he had. They knew about a lion or two. They knew that much, but they knew there was other crazy stuff going on. So in 2011, October 18th, one of Terry's neighbors by the name of Sam Kopchak uh, was introducing his new Pinto Arabian horse named Red to his property. He had just gotten her about seven days ago, uh, nine days ago. I'm sorry. Not that that matters. Uh, But Sam noticed that she was behaving very strangely, kind of skittish and backing up into the back corner of the horse area. And Sam knew from experience that animals, horses and animals in general, basically, know before any human when there's something amiss, something's yeah, going some on. Yeah, some kind of funny business. Um, and this was at about 5 p.m. that day. S- Sam looked, he had a, a like a wire fence that went between his property and Terry Thompson's farm, which was 76 acres next door to him. And he looked across the uh, fence and saw a, a bear running along the fence uh, between his property and Terry's. And he realized that it had somehow gotten loose and it was just roaming the, the uh, property. And moments later, Sam said, I just felt like something was looking at me. And he turned around and he spotted an African lion sitting just yards away from where he was, just on the other side of the wire fence. No. staring at him. <laughs> and so Sam knew that the, the, the lion could very easily scale this little barbed right. wire fence. Um, he didn't want to turn and run because he kind of knew that that would That's cause a bad a idea chase. with a cat. Right. Um, he didn't want to make eye contact. He'd heard that was right. not a good idea either. So he turned around, grabbed Red, and started walking briskly toward the barn. Okay. And once inside, he used his cell phone and he called his 84-year-old mother who shared the home that they lived in. And she was inside the house, and it was about 100 yards away. Why he didn't call authorities, he called right. her. But, but I think what it was is he told her, hey, there's some stuff going on. You need to make sure your doors are shut and you're all secure in there. Right. And then call 911, okay? So she did. And it was about that time that Sheriff's Deputy Jonathan Mary, M-E-R-R-Y, not me. Uh, yeah, no, nice. Uh, he sure. got a call in his squad car about a lion and a bear on the loose at the Thompson place. Um, this was, of course, Sam's mother's call that, right. that initiated this. So when he arrived at Sam's house, he could see that just beyond the Thompson's fence was a tiger, a black bear, and two lionesses. Hmm. And he, while he was waiting for the door of Sam's house to be opened, he saw a large gray wolf running down the road behind him. And he ran back to his patrol car and followed the wolf. That that one was out. And by this point in time, the order had come down over the radio that uh, they were to put any loose animals down. 
I know this is what I told you this is a bad one. So, but in their defense, uh, just across the interstate was a, a huge apartment complex. About a mile away was a school soccer game underway. And, you know, would the yelling and screaming of the kids attract the animals? And you can't have tigers and lions running around the neighborhood. Yeah. So he aimed his high-powered rifle and shot the wolf. He then received a call from some fellow deputies that had cornered a lion uh, near the Thompson farm. And he headed that way. When he got out of his car, he saw a black bear uh, at first just facing him, but then took off running straight toward him. Uh, he didn't have his rifle by his hand, so he grabbed his Glock and he shot once and hit the bear and dropped him. Wow. wow is that crazy? Uh, it must have hit him in the head. So at this point, nobody knew the whereabouts or the condition of Terry Thompson. He was conspicuously missing during all of this. But shortly thereafter, one of the deputies radioed in that he had spotted a body near the barn of the Thompson farm. They couldn't tell if it was Terry Thompson, but whoever it was, was definitely dead. And there was a white tiger sitting on top of it, eating him. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, So the sheriff made another announcement that uh, all of the animals that were on the loose, either off the farm or on the farm, needed to be neutralized. That was the word they used. And I think we know what that means. Yeah. So they formed what amounted to like a shooting party. I mean, not that they were all having hooting and hollering and having fun, but four deputies got into the back of a pickup truck and they were fairly well armed. They had bolt action rifles, they had assault rifles, they had a nine millimeter submachine gun and they climbed into this, the bed of this truck and headed toward the barn where, the, where they had seen a human. As soon as they got there, two tigers started out of the barn and ran toward them and they were immediately shot. And the five-man shooting party was, at that point, urgently redeployed to the southern end of the property where some large cats, I guess, were spotted, readying to cross the boundary fence and get out into the neighborhood. Um, And just so we don't think of these deputies as unfeeling, overarmed rednecks, here's a quote from one of the deputies. He says, I was sick shooting these animals because they didn't ask to be there. And you know, I'm a cat person. So you get, you can imagine how horrible that was. Um, I, but this I'm, was just the beginning. I'm devastated. I know. This is just the beginning of what ended up to be a seven-hour-long siege at the Thompson farm. The Columbus Zoo was notified and had even assembled its capture and re- recovery team. They were armed with both tranquilizer dart guns and regular guns to assist. When it was over, the animal death toll was... 56, including 18 tigers, 17 lions, eight bears, three cougars, two wolves, one baboon, and a macaque, which is a type of monkey, I guess. Um, Six animals, three cats, two monkeys, and a bear survived the release, and they were eventually uh, placed in the Columbus Zoo. So how did this happen? How What transpired on that farm that night uh, that led to this know, deadly carnage. Um, law enforcement had been very aware of Terry Thompson. They had been called out to his property many times, mostly for loose horses. Um, mostly for what? Loose horses, oh. I guess, that had gotten out. Occasionally, they had gotten reports of more unusual creatures running free, but nothing bad had ever happened up to, up to that date. 
In 2008, acting on some tips, the director of the Columbus Zoo, as well as the ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Mm -hmm. and Firearms, paid a visit to the Thompson farm. And the net result was that Terry Thompson went to prison for a year on weapons charges. So I guess he was Mm -hmm. pretty well weaponed up. Uh, The zoo director had been horrified at what he saw up there in terms of security and cleanliness and animal cruelty. But ultimately, no action was taken concerning the animals after Thompson had agreed to improve his facilities, which he did. So, so that was a while ago. Um, so Terry, two years prior. Right. So Terry went to prison for a year for his weapons charges. He had been home about three weeks since being released. And at this point, his whole world be, began to crumble. Um, he had been distraught about his, the declining state of his farm and the declining state of his marriage, and he treasured both. And he had received an anonymous letter from someone that uh, his wife had been having an affair with another man. So I guess at that point he decided he was going to end it all. But before he did that, he was going to free the 56 animals that he had accumulated Mm. over the years. And I don't know what the theory was. I guess it was a... You know, let them be free and they can start a new life or I don't know what. Um, But then he fired a single bullet into his mouth, killing himself and leaving his body for his animal children to feed on. So he got his wish. Um, When he was found, his face and a good portion of his body had been eaten, uh, including his twig and berries. Mm -hmm. There you go. One deputy said... He'd been dragged. <laughs> He'd been dragged. You could tell he had laid at one spot for a while and that he was dragged. It looked like by an arm, and his pants and stuff had been pulled down, and he had been chewed on. <laughs> That's the polite way. That's the polite way of saying his nuts and peni were gone. <laughs> peni. That's right. So authorities may never Did he have know more for more than one. Is that the plural. <laughs> <laughs> Authorities, they 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 never know really why he chose to set his animals free before killing. You know, killing himself is one thing, but yeah. letting all those animals run free, that's another one. Yeah. Um, for Terry's friend, though, Gary, the poison ivy eater, he said the answer was clear. He said, he said he'd feed himself to the animals if he knew he was dying. He told me that at least three times. That's the quote. Yeah. So that is the story of Terry Thompson. And the photo that, that is out there that I may post, but it's after the whole carnage was over, deputies had pulled all of the carcasses and lined them up on the ground by order of uh, type of animal. And there's just oh tigers and everything just lined out on this, you know, bears. And it's just horrible. It's yeah. just horrible. So I probably won't post it. This is, <laughs> this is uh, bad enough just to talk about it. So, but anyway, it's an interesting story. And, it's and if he would have just left them caged, the, then the they would have been... The would have taken re- it. Well, probably, maybe not all. Yeah, uh, but they could have found But they places. could have redistributed mm-hmm. them into places where they belonged. Yeah. Instead, they're all dead. And Thanks, that, Terry. Yeah. and But, you know, the thing that that people don't understand is that when people commit suicide Mm -hmm. they are not in their right mind you can't you know you can't place logic on that act Mm -hmm. 
And so if, if he was in his right mind, he wouldn't ha- have been in that position to begin with. Well, you know what's really to blame? His wife. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. I so don't. I don't know this man. I only meet with him once a week to do a podcast. Yeah. So, you know, just remember that when you send your. You hate look mail. beautiful today, baby. By the way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that a new tank top. Never, never met this man before. In my life. <laughs> just so, just remember that when you send your hate mail. She pushed <laughs> his buttons. Yeah. All right. So, um, I will so beat me- him though to death, of course. Whenever we get done. Yes. So thank there'll you. be a new host next week. Oh, baby! Come on now. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, yeah. When people when people are that to that clap point. Hands, and, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> just clapped hands. Next story. Jimmy, what is he doing back there? <laughs> I can't believe him. I said you were fired today. Yeah. Um, Jerk off. Yeah. Uh, yes, baby. Yeah. Don't worry, guys. I'm I'm going to sufficiently beat him. He'll be bruised and battered. Uh, she, she's gonna put an ad on Craigslist. Yeah. Podcast yeah. co-host needed. Yeah. <laughs> No pay. No jerks. <laughs> no weightlifters. Yeah. <laughs> no mustaches. <laughs> All right, baby. You cannot be a pig. That's right. All right, Jimmy, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Clap your hands, everybody. And everybody just clap your hands. Next story. All right. All right, baby. Tell me your story. All right. Sophia is a drop dead gorgeous twenty seven year old woman. Nice. With thick brown hair and perfect creamy mocha skin. Mm-hmm. She has a beautiful, big, fat, bouncing baby boy of six months old. Mm-hmm. And she's very happily married mm. and grateful for her little boy, who at first, after he was born, almost acted like he may fail to thrive. He had a low APGAR score when he was born, a low birth weight, and he just didn't seem to act like babies are supposed to act. But now, her life seems perfect. Uh, Well, and that was until her dad got sick. But Sophia's sunshine spirit rallied the troops, and she organized a blood drive. Not only did it help her dad physically, but the support was overwhelming for the whole family. Oh, that's nice. It seemed like their whole little town showed up to roll up their sleeves along with her and her beloved husband. Nice. Her dad was going to be fine. But a few days after the blood drive, she got a call from the blood bank. Hmm. For her, there was a problem. And her blood could not be used. Uh-oh. And she needed to come back for further testing, and she should bring the baby. When Sophia heard the words, she fell apart. Chagas disease. Chagas? There wasn't much she remembered about her native Venezuela. Her mother died when she was so young. She was only nine, maybe. But she remembered her mother with that swollen red eyelid. And she remembered the fear in her homeland that it was a death sentence, right? I mean, that was how she ended up being adopted by two Americans. Wonderful, loving parents. But that is how she ended up here. Why did she need to bring little Edward with her? The tears now streamed down her face. And she could no longer contain them. 
Oh, boy. So, here is a disease that is about to teach us all why we should care about a disease that affect, quote, those poor people down there, end quote. Mm -hmm. You see, the problem with Mother Nature is, unlike fish in an aquarium, she just doesn't stay put. (laughs) Chagas disease is a sneaky, silent creeper. It is spread by a vector, and everyone remember what that means? In epidemiology, a disease vector is any, quote, thing that transports and then transmits an infectious pathogen into another living thing. So usually they're things like mosquitoes or ticks. Or in this case, the completely appropriately named assassin bug. Mm. Or ironically, also called the kissing bug. Just like other vectors I mentioned, it is not the mosquito, tick, or this assassin bug that does the trick. It's the pathogen they're infected with. In this case, the assassin, or kissing bug, is infected with a nasty protozoan parasite Mm. called Trypanosoma cruzi. Mm -hmm. You've heard all about that, haven't you, babe? Oh, yeah, that's a bad one. So it's hard to know where to start, but let's start with the bug. They tend to use two methods to find their prey, stalking and luring. Then time for the kill. The strong beak found on this mean little booger is used to repeatedly and violently stab its prey to death, hence the name assassin. It then sucks all the body fluids out of the inside of its murder victim for a nice victim smoothie, as (laughs) dinner was the reason for the attack in the first place. It is a bloodsucker, just not gentle and light-footed like a mosquito. But what about the kissing part? It doesn't sound like a very affectionate bug, does it? No. Well, they're also called kissing bugs, Because they are nocturnal and prefer to sneak up on sleeping humans at night and bite you on the lips or eyelids while you sleep in order to suck your blood. Hmm. When they do, they leave a painful, itchy bite and they poop on you at the same time. Oh, now they cross the line. Delightful. The parasitic protozoan that they leave behind is in their poop. You wake up and mindlessly rub or scratch the bite before you realize how bad it hurts, and you rub the infected poop into the hole left by the bloodsucker. And now, ta-da, you're infected. See, I would never fall victim to that because I don't ever scratch or anything like that. Uh Uh-huh. You know what I mean, honey? Right. He's notoriously bad for scratching. (laughs) Uh, The bugs also hide inside flowers and attack honeybees. They're total assholes. Something should be done about these things. Right? And at least 150 species can give us Chagas disease. (sighs) Nice. At least we have a variety. Fucking Chagas. Right? 
So for ages, this disease and these bugs were a Central and South American problem. You know, only affecting brown people and primarily poor areas. Thank God. Right. So no need to worry about it, right? Right. Why, why are we even going Yeah. Over? Yuck. I guess we'll, we will see how that has affected things when we get to the treatment section. That's called foreshadowing. Even today, the Mayo Clinic says your risk factor is directly related to living in adobe, mud, or thatch home in South or Central America. Tisk tisk, outdated Mayo Clinic. Shame on you. You're better than that. You see, these bugs carrying this pathogenic protozoan have now been found from California to Pennsylvania, everywhere in between, and south, 28 states in total. I will post the map showing the states where this pathogen is now confirmed to be living. While our infection rate is low in the United States, it is now growing. The CDC has already confirmed locally acquired cases of Chagas disease on home soil in Louisiana, California, Tennessee, and Texas. No, not Texas. (laughs) After all, we have had the species naturally occurring, and it was only a matter of time before it became infected. That time has come. Oh, good. So what is Chagas disease? You had a weird bite on your lip or eye. Now what? And is that the only way you can get it? Dun, dun, dun. We're going to let that hang and call it foreshadowing also. (laughs) Approximately 8 million people worldwide are infected with Chagas, according to the New England Journal of Medicine, who is now calling the endemic regions for the disease everything from the southern United States to the southern cone of South America. Remember, endemic means always occurring it's always there so it is expanding its grip on the world there is also a growing number of cases in spain but they're primarily caused by immigration at this time oh my god the initial symptoms are what we call the acute phase of the illness quick recap from previous episodes. Remember what acute means? Mm-hmm. Adorable, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, not this time. An acute illness is any illness that develops quickly, may be intense or severe, but lasts a relatively short period of time. So with Chagas disease in the acute phase, which should be a red flag already since I'm naming this a phase, that means there must be another one. In this phase, symptoms range from absolutely nothing whatsoever to relatively mild. Oh. That doesn't sound so bad, does it? Oh, bring it on. When mild symptoms do appear, they are ambiguous, like fever, fatigue, body aches, headache, rash, loss of appetite, diarrhea, and or vomiting. Like COVID. Yeah. (laughs) Like COVID. And because these symptoms are similar to basically every other illness a human is capable of getting, from flu to food poisoning, 
to COVID. <laughs> most people do not know they've been infected with trypanosoma cruzi, and most do not feel they need medical attention, especially given it took at least 7 to 14 days for the incubation period, and that little bite is long gone. You may have chest or abdominal pain, and this is due to your spleen and liver swelling. <sighs> These two are the only real clues if you see a doctor and if they catch it. The doctor may think zebra and may test you for Chagas. If when you were there seeing a doctor, they did a physical exam, palpated your abdomen, and if the swelling was there. But again, that's a lot of ifs. Most of these symptoms I listed are caused by a reaction to a large amount of parasites in your bloodstream. And... This is the time a microscopic blood smear will give you a wonderfully accurate reading if you're lucky enough to have one done. Now is the best time to test for Chagas because soon, around six weeks, your level of parasites in the blood begin to drop to lower and lower and lower levels and the test will not be so clear and accurate anymore. The acute phase is usually only serious in the very young. Approximately 8% of children will die in this phase of complications. Only 1% of adults die. In both cases, it is due to severe meningoencephalitis or myocarditis. But everyone else just has these mild symptoms. How many doctors, local doctors, are looking for chagas? None. None. That's what I would figure. Absolutely none. So maybe you had a symptom or a handful of symptoms. Maybe you didn't. Almost everyone is completely unaware they even have Chagas disease at this point. Well, except the 1% that will have the swollen eye. Latin countries will sometimes know what this means. Sometimes because of the word of mouth. But a full 95% of people show no signs and no symptoms of disease at all at this stage. Well, for the next 20 or 30 years anyway. Again, oh God, talk about your incubation. A little period. foreshadowing there. You now enter a prolonged asymptomatic phase of the disease. This phase is called the chronic indeterminate phase. <laughs> to dissect that term, chronic diseases are long-term medical conditions that are progressive. Hmm, strange. If it's asymptomatic, how can it be chronic, meaning progressive? Well... It's that odd second word, indeterminate. Indeterminate means not exactly known or defined. So this phase is asymptomatic, progressive, long-term, but undefined. In medicine, we're very precise at times. 
So you're asymptomatic, but this is progressing long-term. And it's an undefined amount of time that you're asymptomatic. Wow. So in this phase... I don't want this one. (laughs) Just wait. Oh, God. Just wait. In this phase, few to no parasites can be found in the blood. So that blood smear that was so helpful that you never got because you didn't know you had it, Mm -hmm. that would have told you, is now worthless. Weird, don't you think? They were here just a minute ago, all those parasites. Hmm. So where do you suppose they all went? Well, they didn't just disappear. Well, the parasites have made their way to the tissues of the nervous system. Oh, no. The muscles of the heart and digestive system. Oh, boy. That's the (laughs) nerves they like to invade. There they hide and continue to multiply, progressively destroying these tissues slowly and methodically over time. But when I say slowly, I mean at a snail's pace. And now, the only test we can use is an antibody test. Has your body made antibodies to the exact parasite? And how many you have will tell us just how bad your current infection likely is. But see, now we have to test for the exact antibodies for the exact parasite for Chagas disease. So we have to suspect you have it or you go undiagnosed forever. So some people with Chagas disease may live a lifetime in this chronic indeterminate phase, living basically asymptomatic, even though the parasites are replicating and destroying their nerve cells. The parasite multiplies, but they're blissfully unaware. However, the next phase for many is called the determinate form of Chagas. As soon as 10 years after infection, or as long as 30 years after, the conditions will change. The parasites will have done more damage than the human body can sustain. One in three people go on to develop serious and often fatal heart complications. The heart becomes dilated and enlarged, which prevents it from pumping blood normally. Heart rhythm abnormalities occur frequently, which in itself can cause death. Blood clots form and cause dangerous blockage of blood flow to the lungs. Heart failure occurs as blood flow begins to back up and the heart can no longer keep up with demand. Fluid buildup starts occurring in the legs and lungs. Breathing becomes labored and severe edema causes constant pain congestive heart failure occurs. In other words, you suffocate slowly and drown on dry land. In fact, Chagas disease is the most common infectious cause of heart failure in the world. Oh, really? But perhaps it will not be your heart. About 1 in 10 patients develop a dilated esophagus or a dilated colon. The parasites have damaged the nerves that control the way food moves along your digestive tract. 
your esophagus becomes weak, and so it dilates, and that causes food to get stuck in your throat or back up into your mouth or trachea, which is your windpipe. It's painful to swallow, and it takes great effort. You constantly battle pneumonia because of the food debris that has made it past your trachea and into your lungs. You're losing weight, and you can't digest food. Cancer of the esophagus is common due to chronic inflammation. And of course, your colon is doing the same thing as your esophagus for the same reason. The nerves there were attacked as well. Food will not move along your colon. The colon becomes distended and your stomach hurts horribly due to the swelling and severe constipation. You're starving to death, and there is no way to correct the nerve damage. Your swollen colon becomes fragile. It twists easily, and if not caught each and every time, blood flow will become restricted, and it will die, and you will follow. Not a fun way to go. And for those who are really, really lucky, the (laughs) lucky few, you get both heart and digestive symptoms. That's like winning the jackpot. Sweet. I guess the silver lining is that it's only about 30% of people who get Chagas disease that get the most serious complications I just listed. 70% get to live knowing that it hasn't happened to them yet. Whoop, whoop. But it's on its way. But the damage is still being done to their nerves. And it's just, they're in the indeterminate phase Mm because it's unknown. And there's nothing that can be done. I mean, just And they may never get symptoms or they might. It's Russian roulette. Spin the wheel. A Brazilian study showed the advancement of the cardiomyopathy was 1.85% per year on average. And now, an August 2020 study published in JAMA by the University of Colorado School of Medicine showed that even completely asymptomatic people with Chagas disease are at a significantly increased risk to develop cardiomyopathy at annual rates of 2% to 5% respectively, each and every year. So perhaps all that matters is just how much your poor heart can take and your body's inflammatory response plays an obvious role. So now we know why it's a silent killer. It lurks for decades, the best years of your life, slowly doing irreversible damage to your nervous system and internal organs. But back to our Sophia and her baby. How did she get it? And why was she told to bring her baby boy with her to be tested? The primary way to get Chagas disease is through the bite and subsequent feces of the assassin bug. However, it's not the only way. It is transmissible through the blood supply and organ donation, hence the blood bank screening for it. However, the test, as I mentioned, isn't 100% accurate. So Sophia was brought back for a second test because they're known to do false positives in an abundance of caution. But in this case, it was not a false positive. Sophia has Chagas disease. But how? You can't catch it by donating blood. 
And in the United States, very strict screening methods prevent it from entering our blood supply. So how else can you get it? There are two other less common ways. The first is extremely rare, but documented nonetheless. It's by drinking certain fruit juices in Central and South America or eating certain foods not cooked or cleaned properly that could have the feces from the assassin bug, particularly anything with real sugar cane where the bug likes to hide and live. The second, Mm. and perhaps the most heartbreaking, is what we call vertical transmission. I've spoken about this before. That means the mother can pass it to the baby during pregnancy. Congenital infection. In Sophia's case, she was likely born with Chagas disease. And as fate would have it, so was her son. Oh, Lordy. Now you see the true wickedness of this parasite. It has found a way to spread silently through the population without raising the alarm within its host. This disease was only first described in 1909. So what we have learned about it has been limited, you know, given it's a disease that has not been a problem for air quotes here, most of us. Mm-hmm. Well, until now. Oh, baby. Okay, so we know how you get it. The evil bug and sugar, and any bug that makes sugar even more dangerous is a real bastard bug. And as my mother-in-law would say, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Mm, True (laughs) enough. And we know the horrible thing Chagas disease does to you. So what's left? Ah, I'm sure you're wondering, how do we treat it? Where are we today in the big, wide world of medicine? I mean, we have a pill that can make HIV undetectable and basically all but cures HIV. So, in this disease, this, and HIV wasn't even around until, you know, 60s. So, if this came around in 1909, where are we today? Oh, God, I know what you're going to say. I have a feeling. If you go to the CDC website, it will say in quotes that treatment is recommended. Oh. Well, yeah. Okay. Warm bath and uh, drink plenty of fluids. Yeah. And that you should go to your primary health care provider and that, quote, some patients may be referred to a specialist such as a cardiologist, gastroenterologist, or infectious disease specialist. Mm. Oh, oh, okay. It then says, and this is the very last line under treatment because it's only five sentences on their website under treatment. On the CDC website, and this is verbatim, quote, your health care provider can talk with the CDC staff, about treatment options for Chagas disease. End quote. Let me translate. (laughs) 
There is no formally approved FDA drug or treatment plan or option for Chagas disease. Period. Fantastic. There are two antiparasitic treatments used in other countries. Benzninazole, which the FDA has finally given approval to be used only during the acute phase Mm -hmm. when nobody nobody knows they have it, it. and only on children aged 2 to 12. Hmm. Hmm. And as you recall, this is the most difficult time to diagnose this disease is in the acute phase. Okay. Hmm. And then the other drug is nifurtamox. Mm-hmm. And it's the other antiparasitic available elsewhere, but not in the U.S. And it is not FDA approved. And these medications have been used for over 30 years outside of the U.S., Um, But they're only available in the United States from the CDC Drug Service for, quote, compassionate use under an investigational new drug protocol. So that primary health care provider must call the CDC and make a full-blown case on your behalf to the CDC expert for review. If approved by the CDC panel of experts... The CDC then provides the drug at no cost as part of an investigational study. In other words, if you live in the United States, your parasite load will go untreated by anything other than your immune system. Now, in all fairness, these drugs have problems like most antiparasitics. They are both extremely effective in the acute phase, but a little less so thereafter. And they must be taken up to three months. And they have many side effects. And a lot of patients can't complete the treatment because of that. Benazazole has side effects that include skin rashes, poor appetite, numbness of the hands and feet, and weakened bone marrow function. Side effects of nifertamox include nausea, poor appetite, weight loss, difficulty sleeping, Tremors, numbness of the hands and feet. Um, uh, I will tell you that my chemo had all of that and more. And, uh, but it was still better than cancer. Right. <laughs> yeah. Plus, just to add salt to the wound, there is no test that can tell you if you're cured from the parasitic infection. Because we only have an antibody test. I hate this Chagas thing. Yeah. We only have an antibody test, um, which you're going to have antibodies because you've had the parasite. Right. Right. In short, it's a damn shame where we are today. We can do EKGs and health screenings once we know you have it and we fear you're developing any kind of side effects or symptoms from, from the disease. But let's be honest, the communities where this disease is prevalent don't have that level of health care. So there absolutely needs to be more done to diagnose and treat this infection. We, ha- we, have to, we should at least know if you've cleared the infection, mm. but there's no research being done. It's underfunded, fun- and there are no real treatment options, and there is no vaccine, and there's no vaccine in the works. <sighs> this is ridiculous. It's, uh, it's a sad, sorry state of affairs. 
And, uh, and we already know there's 300,000 people in the U.S. that have it, but many of them are people that have relocated here, and who cares about them, right? Are they black or brown? Uh, well, yeah. Okay. So yeah. there you go. Moving on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe, though, uh, you know, maybe now that we have this, this uh, parasitic infection in 28 out of 50 states... Including ours. Including ours, you know. Maybe we might get some funding for some research because now it affects Americans. Fingers crossed. You know, you know. This is as bad as the one that you get from swimming in a lake down in Brazil and it (laughs) climbs into your penis. Have you heard about this one? Yes, but that's... Even Brazilians (laughs) don't actually get that. (laughs) I know, it so, just sounds horrible. I, it, yeah, it does, but anyway. Wow, Chagas. Yeah. Chagas. Never heard of it. Yeah. That I can think of. Yeah. Well, thank you, baby, for yeah, that story. so it's, you know, climate change, stop feeling so safe. <laughs> you know, we are our brother's keeper. We are. There, no man is an island. So, there you go. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap this show up with a real uplifting story. <laughs> all right. Thank you for that, baby. Um, yeah. So, we've all seen at least one of the Planet of the Apes movies, right? I haven't, but go what? ahead. Oh, yeah. You don't like movies. <laughs> and we've all been to the zoo. And I do go to the zoo. All it, the but from that, we know that theoretically it would be insane to keep a gorilla as a pet (laughs) is that safe to say yes but then on the other hand there's monkeys like those cute little uh, red faced spider monkeys they're so cute they look like a little old man I mean they're fantastic now they would be great pets right (sighs) or those tiny little capuchin monkeys my god right Sure, they're wild animals, uh, but they would be okay because they're small and they're cute, right? Oh, my God. So what about chimpanzees? Oh, my God. Swinging through the trees. They're so smart. They seem lovable, right? <sighs> well, yeah. not always. Well, not ever. They're not. They're Maybe. wild animals. Not always. Enter Ms. Sandra Harold. Okay? Sandra okay. Harold. She's the proud mother Oh, no. Of oh, Travis. we're already pr- using personification. Yes, of Travis. Excellent. Her 200-pound pet chim- chimpanzee. And just for clarification, yeah. 200 pounds on a chimp would be like a 500-pound Superman. Right. People don't understand the difference in their strength. But not Travis. He was a good guy. Um, well, I'm not saying good or bad. Right. I'm saying the difference in their strength is astronomical. Right. So Sandra and her husband, Jerome, they had adopted Travis, named after Sandra's favorite singer, Travis Tritt. Oh. How about that? Uh, three days after his birth, his mother, in a totally separate incident, had been fatally shot following an escape in 2001. Mm. So they got Travis, and Travis had been their constant companion. What was that Dean Koontz book? Oh, I'm sure there's a good one about monkeys. I can't remember it, but... Was it Zoo? Yeah, maybe Zoo. It was a really good one. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, this will beat that. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Travis, he had been their constant companion, and he'd often go with them to work. 
uh, go on excur- shopping excursions. They had their own um, towing company. Oh, and okay. so Travis would go to the office and he'd pose for photos at the shop and he'd ride in the tow truck and he'd be seat buckled in and he'd be wearing his little trademark baseball jersey that he wore. Very cute. I mean, I'm adorable. Sure. And he was, uh, he was well known in town. Uh, and he'd even been in several commercials. And he was even on the Maury Povich show. Oh. So he's kind of a celebrity, too. Yeah. So he was very well behaved. <laughs> and he paid very close attention to his owner's commands. He could open doors like using Humphrey keys. Like Humphrey the Hippo. Right. He could use keys to open doors. Oh, no. He could dress himself. He could water plants. Oh. He could feed the horses. He ate at the table with the family. And they'd even occasionally let him drink wine from a stemmed glass. So he was, look, he loved ice cream so much that he learned what the the time and the schedule was for the ice cream truck that Uh went past. Make sure he was involved in that. Uh, He could log on to the computer to look at pictures. He could use a remote control to watch TV. He brushed his teeth with a water pick. And he loved watching baseball. So you can see this is a great pet. Right? Yeah. Okay. He even slept with Sandra's uh, at night uh, in their bed. Oh, my okay? God. In 2003, there was an incident where somebody had thrown something at their car when they're driving by, and I guess the window was cracked. It hit Travis. So when they came to the next light, Travis opened the door, jumped out, and started chasing the person who had thrown stuff at him. And the police came, <laughs> and they finally lured him into, their, into the car. But then he just ran across the seat, opened the other side, and ran out, and ended up chasing the cops around the car. I mean, it was quite comical. Very funny. Uh-huh. Very funny stuff. Yeah. Um, so that incident, though, that led to a new law in the state of Connecticut from the Department of Environmental Protection, which prohibited people from keeping primates weighing 50 pounds or more. Okay? That's a good law. It's a good law. But they didn't enforce the law against the Heralds because they had owned this 200-pound chimp for so long, and mm-hmm. they just didn't believe that he was a risk uh, to public safety. Okay? Uh... Fast forward to 2009, February 16th. So I guess they've had him for over 10 years. Um, and he wasn't behaving. Him. Travis wasn't behaving himself so well this day. He had taken Sandra's car keys and he had locked himself in her car outside. And so Sandra picked up the phone and called her friend and employee. Her name is Charla Nash, who was 55, and asked her to come over and help her get Travis to calm down and get out of her car and into his cage. So when Charla came over, she thought, and she, she knew Travis very well. I mean, they had, they had hung out for 10 years or more. So when Charla held up Travis's Tickle Me Elmo doll, which happened to be one of his favorite toys, um, he immediately attacked her. And Sandra tried to get him to stop by yelling and such. It didn't work. She tried hitting him in the back with a shovel. That Uh, didn't work. Yeah. I wonder why that didn't work. She even grabbed a butcher knife and stabbed him. And she later said, for me to do something like that, put a knife in him was like putting one in myself. She said after she stabbed him, he turned around and looked at her like, Mom, what did you do? Why did you do that? And then, unfortunately, that stabbing just got him pissed, and he resumed his attack in earnest. And the attack lasted for 12 minutes. Oh, my God. When the police arrived, Sandra was locked in her car, still on the phone with 911. 
and police remained in their cars at first. At some point, the chimp tried to get into a squad car by trying to pull on the passenger side door, which was locked. And then it very calmly walked around the car, went to the driver's side and opened the door. And the cop was there and he he shot the thing a couple of times, shot Travis a couple of times. And Travis retreated into the house. Um, Travis went back into the house and running around wildly. And some officers gave chase. Some attended to Sharla. And her injuries were so grievous that an officer presumably couldn't tell her gender. He said on the radio, hey, listen, uh, we've got to get this out of here. He's got no face. The injuries to Charlotte Nash were horrendous. She had lost her hands, her nose, her eyes, her lips, and had significant brain injuries. Oh, my God. And as required by law, Travis's head and torso have been separated so they could test for rabies. So even after all right. of this, the big concern here was rabies. But anyway, they had they did a necropsy. Well, yeah, you die rabies. Right. Yeah. So Charlotte Nash, she did survive the attack. And she ended up being the first patient to ever receive a double hand and face transplant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched her give a speech uh, where she was pleading with lawmakers to strengthen the laws uh, yeah. regarding domestic ownership of wild animals. It's a very sad story. So we'll go over our sources now. But what I have is the 9 call that Sandra Harold made to the police while this was going on. Um, the audio is horrific. But it also shows about the 911. You've got to listen to this 911 officer. I mean, oh, God. In, in this crazy situation, uh, she had to get this guy, and this guy was not good. But anyway. Well, um, I, I have a couple comments to make on that. Yes. Though. And, you know, you, you know, I believe strongly in adoption when it comes to dogs. Mm-hmm. And... One of the reasons is, is there's never a reason to go through a puppy stage. Mm-hmm. It's a pain. And the other reason I tell, I tell you all the time is, and I tell people all the time is you don't actually know the personality of your dog. Mm-hmm. And it's because a dog's personality isn't set until they're, you know, three, three or four years old mm-hmm. because they haven't reached sexual maturity. They need to go through that hormonal change. And when we did our last episode and we talked about Humphrey the hippo, Mm -hmm. I said, you know, he had this wonderful relationship with his hippo and everything was going great. Mm -hmm. And then Humphrey hit age six and his, and he started chasing the, you know, the grandpa and the the grandson down the river Mm -hmm. and and the, and, the, and the guy was making excuses for him. And it's like people do, you know, they may or may not do a lot of research on these animals. They, and I'm not saying they did or they didn't. But what they don't seem to understand is the husbandry of these animals. And if you have had some even a dog and you've seen that all of a sudden between the ages of 18 months and two years they become defiant and they start challenging and even if they don't challenge you if you have another dog in your house they start challenging that other dog Mm -hmm. that is 
even if you, even when you spay them, even if you spay or neuter your dog, they still do it mm-hmm. because that is the age at which they develop, they, they, they start working on their, wh- where they are in the pack mm-hmm. and it's, it's completely natural and you have to know the husbandry and understand that this chimp you you can have six years with with a lot of these animals that live a long time hippos chimps gorillas whatever you can have six or eight or ten years and they seem like see Everybody let your guard down because mm. look at all these years that everything has gone well. Look, he uses a water pick. Yeah, he uses a water pick. <laughs> he, you know, he can, he does all of these things and he's trustworthy. No, he's a baby. He's a baby. Mm-hmm. And now, and, 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 but chimps live, you know, like 60 years. Mm. They live a long, long time. And just like human babies, because human babies live a long time. <laughs> they take a long time to mature. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, a, a chimp doesn't have, you know, chimps don't have their own babies until they're, until they're 10, 12, 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Because that's sexual maturity. That's the age of sexual maturity. Is They don't, and males are a little earlier, you know. But that's why they start seeing problems at that age. You know, that's, and, 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 all, these knuckleheads think that because they've gone five years and they haven't had a problem, that means that they can put their guard down, they can act normal, and that's just not the case. They don't understand the husbandry of these animals. Um, a lot of baby things, baby animals, of a lot are not as dangerous as the adults. <laughs> a lot of times that is true. Mm-hmm. You know, they can be coddled, coddled into believing uh that they're safe but that is because humans have a a different level of empathy than wild animals wild animals do not have empathy and to think that you should teach an animal like that how to unlock doors is absolutely asinine it's unbelievable to me you have to there has to be safeguards and that is, and you know, if you'd have asked people, if you asked people who knew me, they would probably say I would be voted probably most likely to have lions and tigers, and because it make it would make sense to people that I would have wild animals mm-hmm. because I I've always had you know pit bulls and rottweilers and done animal rescue and all kinds of things, but that it's there's such a huge divide between a domesticated animal and a wild animal. You know, I mean, you just, you have to understand the husbandry of these animals. Well, I think everything you're saying is true and we're about to hear it, hear it in action. Oh. But before we do that, tell me your sources. So your of course for worm news, it's the Huff Post. They're so great. And we appreciate them doing such fun stories for us. Um, and then for Chagas disease, uh, which we got to get some funding and some help for everybody facing that. It's not a death sentence. I don't want everyone to think it is, but a lot of work still needs to be done on that. eMedicineHealth.com, New England Journal of Medicine, the CDC, and Outbreak News Today. 
and mine, abcnewslistfirst.com, nbcconnecticut.com, postgazette.com, gq.com, and of course our friends at Wikipedia. All right. All right. So, so for anybody that doesn't want to hear yeah, something can, absolutely horrible, feel free to move on. Yeah, we're, we're going to come back it. after the end and just say, oh, my God, that was horrible. We and then are? say goodbye. Well, so that means I have to hear it? Yeah, I want you to hear it. Oh. You don't have to hear it. You can, you can bow out. No. Okay? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us. And enjoy. Yeah, four <laughs> minutes is a long time. It is a long time. All right, here we go, baby. Ready? Time for 911. Where's your emergency? Oh, this is Sandy. 231 Rock, Rock Rimmon Road. What's Send the problem? The police. Send the police. What's the problem there? The, the chip killed my, my friend. What's the problem with your friend? Oh, please. What's the problem with your friend? I need to know. Send the police off with a gun. With a gun. <laughs> Hurry up. You're off the gun. Chimp killed please, my friend. What's wrong with your friend? What is the problem? <laughs> my friend. Who's killing your friend? My chimpanzee. Oh, your chimpanzee is killing your friend. Yes. He, he ripped their part. Hurry up. With a gun. Hurry up, please. There's someone on the way. With guns, please. He shoot him. What is the monkey doing? Tell me what the monkey's doing. <laughs> he ripped their face off. He ripped their face off. He tried to attack me. Okay, I need you to calm down a little bit. They're on the way. Can you push yourself away? I don't want the monkey attacking you. Please, hurry up. Listen to me. Uh, They're on the way, ma'am. They gotta shoot them, please. Please, hurry, hurry. Are you there with your friend? I need you to help your friend. Can you go help your friend? I can't. Is he still there with your friend? Yes. Okay, so then back off. Then don't get any closer, okay? They're already on the way. Please. If the monkey moves away from I'm your friend, n- let me know. I'm going to rename him Captain Obvious. No, no, I can't. She's dead. She's dead. Why Why are you saying that she's dead? She's dead. He ripped her apart. He ripped what apart? Her face? My, everything. He ripped her apart? Listen, I think I'm going to flee. I think I'm going to pass no, out. No, just breathe, okay? I'm going to stay I with you on the phone until they get there. Listen, please hurry. Please, please hurry. Oh my God! They gotta have their guns out. They, they gotta have their guns out. Listen to me. Oh my God! Is this your monkey or whose monkey yes. is it? It's your monkey. No, it's mine. He's how just, how do you know how big is he? How, yes, how many 200 pounds? Four hundred. Two hundred. Two hundred pounds. Listen to me, please. Where are they? Where are they? And he's a chimp, correct? Yes. Where, where are they? They're going your way. They're going as fast as they can your way, okay? Please. Please go faster. Please, please, Derek. Please, please. You please. almost feel bad for her. She created this, but you feel you bad for her. She inner-ease her. Please. Oh. God, oh, please. Okay, I need you to calm down for me. I know it's hard, okay? I know it's hard. But they're going as fast as they can your way, okay? Oh, my God. Please. Please. They just calm down. Them they got to shoot him because I tried stabbing him, and he's not, and it made him worse. Okay, Please Sandra. Have them shoot him. They will. Sandra, I already have the fire department close by, okay? So as soon fire as the department. There, the fire department is going to move there's in, There's not a okay? fire, dude. The fire department can't move in yet, but as soon as the police officers show up. Please tell them. <laughs> shoot him because he's going to try to attack me now. Just breathe, Sandra. Shoot him. Sandra, stay in your car. Shut up! Sandra, I need you to stay in your car. 
shoot him, please. I tried stabbing him, and, and he's hurt now, too. So, so he's going to attack anybody. I can't get out of this car. Lock your doors on your car and stay it, there with me. It don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. He will rip the doors right Sandra, open. just do what I'm please, telling you to. Stay in the car. The police officers will handle it. Please tell him to shoot him. They did, Sandra. They're shooting at him already, okay? But he's not dead. I know. They will continue until he's dead, okay? I just need you to stay on the phone with me and breathe. He's not dead. He's not dead. He's not dead. Oh, God. Oh, God. And scene. Wow. I think he could have been a lot worse. You made it. You built it up. You don't think he was horrible? Th- I don't. I don't. I, okay, I don't Sandra, think. Okay, Sandra, they're shooting the monkey now, okay? Okay. I think he was trying to calm her down. Yeah, but. I think, uh, I think you're a little too hard on the guy. All right. I he mean, was good. He was even good. For, no, but even for a 911 guy, he probably doesn't get calls about chimpanzees ripping faces off every day. No, that's, that's fair. That's fair. But. Uh, he never, he didn't lose track or of the conversation, whatever. I think you're a little hard on the guy. All right. Well, I apologize. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed, or if there's anybody listening still. Yeah. If there's anyone that, (laughs) if we, if there, anybody stayed with us, then, uh, uh, it could, it could have been worse. Yeah. So until next time. Until next time. Yeah. Live big. Rest in peace. The The worms worms are waiting. waiting.